0: Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Alright, open up your Bible uh, to 1 Chronicles chapter 17. Verse 1 and verse 2. Once you see it on the screen, go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to read it together. 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 1 and 2. You'll see this same story in 2 Samuel as well. It's about David in his own house having a conversation with his friend who is a prophet named Nathan. Here's what the Bible says. Now, when David lived in his house, David said to Nathan the prophet, behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And Nathan said to David, do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. Now, there's much more to this story, but we're going to focus in on these two verses of Scripture today. You guys cool with it? Well, let's read it out loud all together as a family. One more time. Now, when David lived in his house, David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. The title of the message today, church, is I Will Build God a House. I Will Build God a House. Put your hand on your heart and say it with me. Say, I will build God, a house. Lord, we thank you for the heart of David because we know that you said about your son, David, he is a man after your own heart. And so God, I ask for a supernatural impartation from the Holy Spirit for all of us today that you would put the same heart that was in David in us, that we would have a zeal for the house of the Lord. Just like you, Jesus, when you turned over the table's of the money changers, and the disciples remembered the scripture that was written, zeal for God's house has consumed us. That's what I pray. I pray for a zeal for God's house to consume us. And if you receive that, say amen. Amen Amen and amen. You can be seated. The sermon series that we are kicking off today is called Builders. Um, builders builders Um, I was thinking about preaching from this topic for a few weeks and last week I decided to preach priestly protocol who was here last week we did Psalm chapter 24 we broke it down a little bit I think I had five or six points and I made it through one so after I made it through one point my wife said hey Got an idea for you. Maybe turn Psalm 24 into a sermon series, not just one sermon, because you made it through one point, point. and you spent like 45 minutes on one point. So maybe, just maybe, let me make a suggestion to you that uh, you take Psalm 24 and you make that the whole sermon series, and I said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that, because we're already good at that. We're already good at that. You, you want to talk about worship? Legacy's good at that. Would y'all agree? You want to talk about prayer? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we pray. We, we pray, right? Uh, you know, I posted on Instagram at Team Church, we don't just pray, we rumble. We pray people on the plains. We got big faith. You know what I mean? So we pray, we worship. You wouldn't talk about priestly protocol. We have a passion for that. We have a zeal for going into the presence of God. We center the presence of God each and every time we gather as a church. Jesus is the VIP. He is the central focus of the fullness of our attention. That's the type of church that we are. We have a value for the presence. I said, you know, I think we're already good at that. I've been thinking about doing a sermon series called Builders because I think that what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our house in this season is raise up some mighty strategic builders she said well okay well she she said to me what Nathan said to David do all that is in your heart then because God is is with you and I said that's right so I went to Portland uh on Monday after preaching on Sunday and uh, I was at a conference with 1500 pastors and I had no idea what the theme of the conference was. Um, my pastor is the chairman of the organization that, this, that the conference uh, was hosted by, all right? So I walk in, and you would think I would have talked to him about this before, but I walk in, and I go straight to the merch table. Because when you go to a conference, where do you go first? Merch. Right? You got, there's priorities here. We'll worship in a minute. First, we got to look at the merch. Right. So I go to the I go to the merch table and there is a trucker hat uh, that's my favorite color green and it says builder. I said, "Oh, this is God." I felt like a real Christian. I'm like, I do hear from the, from the Lord. Builder. I said, "Let me get that. Let me get that hat." And then I bought this shirt. Let's see. Healthy leaders building healthy churches. Is that what it says? I I thought I remembered. I didn't want to get it wrong, you know. (laughs) I didn't want to say the name of the barbecue restaurant earlier either. El Regeno. Did I get it? nailed it. I didn't want to say it, though. I was a little nervous to say it. So I bought this shirt, and then my pastor got up to preach, and he said, here's the title of my sermon tonight. It is Blueprints, Bricks, and Builders about came up out of my seat. I said, okay, this is the word of the Lord for our house. We need to talk about becoming builders. So I get back and I start my sermon prep at Starbucks on Thursday morning and I'm rocking my green hat, Builders. And I'm there with my laptop and I'm drinking my Americano. Don't judge me, but I do like Starbucks Americanos because they're consistent wherever you are in the world. Always burned, very hot. So (laughs) you like, it just... You just know what you're gonna get, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm there, I'm drinking the Starbucks, and there's a guy who's across from me. There's a bar separating us, and he says, Hey, hey, I take my AirPod out. And I'm like, Yo, what's up? He's like, Bro, that's a dope hat. I said, Man, thank you, bro, that, thank you so much. I just got this hat, uh, you know, from a conference in Portland. He said, Well, it's really cool because I'm a builder. <laughs> I said, Bro, me too. What do you build? He said, well, I'm a, I'm a general contractor, and, and I'm a builder. And you know whenever the Holy Spirit just taps you on the shoulder? Give him the hat. No. I like this hat. It's my favorite color. You know what I'm saying? You, you, ever, you ever have that experience, you know? like I ain't giving them the hat, God. So I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be generous. So I start texting the person on my laptop. He don't know this, but I'm texting the person that made the hat. And I'm like, go ahead and send me another hat. (laughs) You know, because I'm trying to like, you know, try to, you know, trying to figure out how to make this word work, but still keep my hat. Listen, there's a sermon in that. You know what I mean? It's like the Holy Spirit gives you a word and you're like, how can I figure this out as to not lose anything but still be obedient? You know what I mean? So I'm like, all right, all right, all right, okay, okay. So we're talking, you know. And, uh, and, and you know, once we kind of finished the conversation, I took the hat off and I just threw it to him. I'm like, is your hat now? He was like, what? No. Dude came to church in the 9 a.m. this morning. So he was here. He was here, which was awesome. And I had, I had hat hair, you know, so I immediately went to Music City Vintage and bought another hat. And uh, the guy texted me back, he said, we sold out. All right, Lord, well, you got me. All right, I, I, I submit, I'm obedient, I obey, right? Um, But no, I I, I was so excited to have those confirmations because when you get confirmations, knowing that you're on track and you're following what the Holy Spirit is speaking, it gives you satisfaction. You know, you say, okay, no, I'm moving in the right direction. So um, what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about our desire to build. All right? I want to talk about our heart to build. And I want to start by asking you a question. Do you have a heart to build? Do you have a desire to build in life and in church, all right? This is not just about the local church. This is also about you and your life. In life and in church, before you're able to build anything, you're going to have to start at the heart. Because before anything gets built on the outside, it's going to have to first be assembled on the inside. Right? So we're going to have to start here, and we're going to have to start with desire. If you look at the word heart in the Bible, Old and New Testament. In New Testament, I know it's the Greek word cardia, which is where we get our English word cardiac from. But you'll never see except for maybe once or twice in the fullness of all of Scripture does the word heart actually mean the physical human heart that beats in our chest? Only once or twice. There's like hundreds of times that the word heart is used. Most often an accurate translation for the word heart in the Bible is, ready? Desire. Desire. So whenever God says, I want you better said I command you to love the Lord your God with all of your what is God teaching us he's telling us the type of love that I want to receive from you first is that you would love me with the fullness of your desire so when everything that you want has to file into a line is God standing in front of the line? Because that's what it means to love him with the fullness of your desires. You may want other things, but we worship what we want the most. Let me say it again. We worship what we want the most. So whatever that thing is, whatever's the first in line of your desires, it's what we're worshiping right now. So when I ask you, do you have a heart to be a builder? What I'm asking you is, do you have any desire to build? And a more important question this morning is, do you have a desire to build God's house? Do you want to build God's house? Now, I'll be honest with you guys. When I first started pastoring, I did not have a high value for the local church, at least in America. How does those two things coexist? You are a local church pastor in America, and you don't have a high value for the local church in America. I'm I'm just being honest, right? Because I was a missionary, and I lived in India, and my goal was to rescue kids from human trafficking. And so when I came back to America and I sat in church services that lasted 42 and a half minutes, with two very predictable songs, and then the offering plate came, and the pastor got up with a PowerPoint and five exact points, and, uh, you know, I shook a few hands, and I was on my way out to Cracker Barrel. I just could not reconcile the kingdom of Jesus that I read about in the scripture with those formalities that I was experiencing in local churches in America. So when I first started hearing sermons about the house of God and building the house of God and building the church and, and, and being a builder and having a heart for the local church in America, even though, even as a pastor, I was like, yeah, yeah, nah. But I'm going to be honest with you, church. Now, today, the Holy Spirit has done something in my heart. The Holy Spirit's done something in my life. Where now I look at the local church and I see the bride. Of Jesus the local church expressions in our own nation as being deserving of laying down my life for this is the bride of Christ I remember I was on a prayer walk one time and Jesus asked me why are you a pastor and this was like when I probably shouldn't have been a pastor because I was trying to quit I was like Lord please let me quit our church is terrible I mean, I'm just being honest. Listen, you know, you read about, you read the Psalms, right? David says, I poured out my complaint before the Lord. I know what that feels like. I'm like, my, the people who call our church home are not great. They don't give. No one wants to serve. No one volunteers and kids. Please let me quit. And at the time, there was a mega church in Texas that had offered me a job. And I was like, please, God, please let me go to Texas, the promised land. Of big churches and good barbecue. So I'm walking around, you know, and Jesus says, why are you a pastor? And I, I don't really know how to respond, so I just gave him a, um, a line that I received from a friend of mine, Michael Brodeur. If you don't know Michael Brodeur, he's a protege of John Wimber, all right? So great church planter, John Wimber. And Michael has a line, and I love it. And I, I have it on a slide if you guys can find it because it's deeper in my notes. Uh, but he says something about the local church that I think is brilliant. He says that the local church is the greatest incubator of human destiny that exists on planet Earth. The local church is the greatest incubator of human destiny that exists on planet Earth. And so I shared that line with Jesus. Isn't it funny when God asks you questions? Anybody else God asks you questions? How many of you guys know he is not lacking information? Right? But he was helping me to clarify my call. And so I give him this line and I say, well, here's why I'm a pastor. is because I believe in the local church. Yeah. Right. And I just feel the Holy Spirit's like, well, lay down your life for the church. Lay down your life for the church. And the church is something extremely special. Because the church has outlasted everything else that tries to intimidate it. And, and counterfeit it. Everything else. It's outlasted persecution. It's outlasted martyrdom. It's outlasted every trend. It's outlasted every style. It's outlasted every generation. It's outlasted every political party. It's outlasted every king, every president. It's outlasted every war. And it will continue to outlast. And the reason for that is because it's the one thing in Scripture that Jesus guaranteed that he would always build. So betting against the local church is betting against Jesus, and Jesus never fails. Every word that he speaks will come to pass. It will accomplish the intent of his heart whenever he releases that word. There is no word that will return to Jesus void. So that's the local church, and now for me, I'm like, no, I'm convinced this is what I should be giving my life for. Now, I don't know if you know this or have realized this. I'm sure you feel this deep down, even if you can't articulate it. And that is that every human being has been designed by God to be a builder. If you think about it, our first parents, Adam and Eve, what did God do with them? He put them in a garden. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man, put him in a garden. To do what? Work it and keep it and build. Right? So God creates and then he gives man something to create. To complain that you're not creative is absurd because your God who dwells in you is the creator. So he said, I'm going to put you in the garden and here's what I'm going to do. After doing this work for six days, I'm going to take a rest. And Monday morning, you're going to get up Adam, and you're going to do a little work. I mean, this is just my own personal opinion, but I believe I'm still going to work in heaven. Because I'm a builder. Because you're a builder. And there's some kind of joy that just comes from building, doesn't there? So so he he put Adam in the garden and uh, he has a project. So a garden was the project of the first Adam. Now the church is the project of the second Adam. Where the first Adam failed in his building project, the second Adam, Jesus Is successful in his building project which is the local church that's why he said Peter I'm telling you the truth man upon this rock I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it that's how powerful the church is now if you listen to a Catholic preach that sermon they're going to tell you that the reason why Jesus said it like that is because he was referring to Peter who was the rock as the first pope Right, And so they would see it as a line of succession from Peter on down. Right, So God anointed a man. God anointed a man and said, I'm going to build my church on this man. But if you talk to a a charismatic about this passage of Scripture, they're going to say, no, it was not about a man. It was about a revelation. It was about a vision that Peter caught in that moment that Jesus was the Son of God and he was building the church and that he would build it through us as his body. And so you'd hear it from one camp and they'd say, well, it's about a man. And then another camp would say, it's about a vision, but it's about both. Because a man without a vision is incomplete, but a vision without a man is incomplete. We got to have both to build. We got to have a conviction. We got to have revelation. We got to have inspiration. We got to have impartation that comes from Jesus, the ultimate builder. But the Holy Spirit is also looking for somebody who will say, that's me. I will build, I will volunteer. I will be tribute. Whatever you need, God, here I am. Haven't thought of that movie in a long time, but it worked out perfectly. Here I am. Send me. I will build. What do you want built? (laughs) I didn't prepare for that. It wasn't in my notes, but it it was fun. You know, as a disciple of Jesus, to build is in your blood, it's in your DNA. It's deep down in there. And as believers, we know what we are supposed to build. And that is the thing that Jesus is building, which is his church. But, you know, it's not only Christians that are hardwired to build. Heathens are also hardwired to build. Think back in the Old Testament whenever we see the Babylonians building this huge tower that we know of called Babel. Right? In Genesis 11. Then they said, come let us build a city for ourselves and a tower with its top in the heavens. And get this, and let us make a name for ourselves. That doesn't sound like 2023, does it? And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth, lest we be forgotten. Let us make a name for ourselves. You see, all of human, human beings, they are builders. Builders. The question is not whether or not you are a builder. The question is, what are you building? What are you giving your life to building? I mean, take inventory this this morning, church. What are you building? Because you're building something. You're building something. Today, many people are building like the Babylonians in Genesis chapter 11 because they are building for the sole purpose of making a name for themselves. That's why they build. There's much talk today of building platforms. Some people's platform is their tower. Because they do it so that their name uh, would be made great. Now listen, I don't have anything, uh, I don't have any problems with building a platform, all right? I want you to build a platform. I myself, I am working very hard right now. I haven't missed a day since September the 1st. I have posted every single day. Because I'm trying to be a better steward. Of the people that God's put in my orbit so that I can influence them for him. And in the process, some people call you heretics, as I learned yesterday. (laughs) But that's okay. I bless all of them. I'm convinced that we should use all of the tools at our disposal to build the church as God has called us to do, including using social media. I believe that if Apostle Paul were alive today, that he would have an Instagram page, and he would often go live when it's time to preach the sermon. It would be very long Instagram lives. People once received the gospel through stained glass. They would walk past the church and they would see the story of God in the stained glass. Now people are able to receive the gospel not just through stained glass but through cell phone glass. So I think we should use all the tools at our disposal in order to build what God has asked us to build. But I also believe that the spirit of the Babylonians is alive and well today because some of our platforms resemble ziggurat towers. As we strive to selfishly, ambitiously make a name for ourselves. Building big for the sole purpose of making your own name great is what we call Babylonian behavior. And God doesn't seem to like Babylonian architecture. He ruined the Tower of Babel. Now, these are more aggressive you know, archetypes of what it looks like to build big for yourself. But we also know that there is a number of subtle counterfeits enticing us constantly through culture to build a great name for ourselves. A little while ago, I was talking to a marriage counselor. And the marriage counselor told me that the number one reason that they treat young couples is because the husband spent too much time playing video games. You believe that? All the young girls in here are like, yep. (laughs) How could this be, right? You know, how could video games be so addictive? Well, that's because they satisfy humanity's innate desire to build something. And that's why they're so addictive. Men especially are hardwired to build things. And perhaps, I know not 100% of the time, but men are hardwired to build things. And perhaps women are hardwired to make those things better. Think about it. Men make things and women make those things better. Uh, Men may provide the food, but women cook the dinner. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) Men provide a house, but women make it a home. Men certainly help make the baby. Hey, hey now. But women carry and then birth the baby. You see what I'm saying? We work together. So, wives, let me help you for a minute. If you just cannot understand how your husband could unwisely invest the equivalent of a part-time job into fantasy football, it's because he is hardwired to build. It's because he is hardwired to build, and that's what these games do. These video games, fantasy games, strategy games, they are so addictive because they appeal to our innate desire to build, and it's not just guys on video games anymore. Girls are doing it too, and marketers, they know this, and so what do they do? They gamify building, they provide rewards without risk, and they promise success all from the comfort of your own couch, completely detached from the rest of the world. Tell me that that is not a subtle scheme of the enemy to counterfeit what God's put in our DNA to build and say, don't worry about building nothing for the kingdom of Jesus. Just worry about buying enough V-Bucks to buy enough skin so that your character looks good when you live stream, baby. You know what I'm saying? And I ain't got nothing against Fortnite. I like Fortnite and I think gamers are a people group and somebody's going to have to be a missionary to them. (laughs) This is the only way I can really justify playing Fortnite, (laughs) Uh, but I'm not lying. I will evangelize those little kids, and I am not even playing either. I'll be in there, and some of them got, man, they talk nasty. And, uh, <laughs> buddy, kiss your mother with that mouth, you know, because they're like 10, you know. Eight-year-old, take that L, take that L. And, and my name is, uh, my name is Martyrdom 121. Um, <laughs> So if you want to add me up, you can. But Martyrdom 121, Philippians 121, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Martyrdom 121. But the kids can't read Martyrdom, so they just call me Marty. And I'm like, I'm, it's not Marty. I am Martyrdom. I'm a very powerful man. Hold that ale, Marty. <laughs> I'm serious, man. Uh, but you know, recently I was I was on there with my, my son, and uh, we were playing we were playing, and there were some kids like I think from Montana, that had got on, and they were like, "Hey, who are you?" And I said, "What do you mean?" I said, "I'm I'm 121." You know? And he said, "No, no, no, but your voice it sounds different." Well, yeah, it's because I'm Southern, and y'all are from Montana. He said, no, 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 it ain't that. It's something else, man. Like, are, are, you, are you like somebody? I said, well, man, I'm a preacher. They said, really? You're, you're a preacher? I said, yeah, man, look me up on Instagram. So I gave them my Instagram tag, and we're playing. I mean, we're, we're just bodying people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're playing, and I'm listening in the headphones to them listening to me preach. <laughs> while we're playing Fortnite, and I'm like, hey, do y'all pray? No, I don't. Really? Hey, y'all go to church? No, I have Hey, I got a Bible, man. Get that Bible out. And before we logged off, you know, I prayed for them. So listen, I can, I can justify the video games. I just turn it into an evangelistic outreach. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm going to need to give you a little encouragement after I lay the smack down on you. I'm having too much fun in this second service. Listen, some Christians today have been led to believe that what they're building does not matter unless it is big, unless it is popular. And that is simply untrue. That is secularistic, popular culture thinking. That's what that is. I can give you plenty of Scripture to support God's delight in you building things like a family, like a home like a career, like community and building God's church. On the other hand, I can give you plenty of scripture, even more scripture, in fact, to discourage you from building something big and popular out of selfish ambition in order to make a name for yourself. Take heart. If you're in the room today and you're like, I don't matter because I don't have a bunch of followers, who cares? Do you have a healthy family? Do you have a healthy marriage? Are you raising good kids? Come on. Build something that matters, not something that's going to float off as a vapor. Now, as a missionary, I remember somebody uh, asking me a question. They were also, uh, it was was an Indian preacher, and uh, they said, if you could only build one thing for the rest of your life and it could not be selfish and it had to glorify God, what would you build? Now, that's a phenomenal question. If you could only build one thing for the rest of your life and it could not be selfish and it had to glorify God, what would you build? And that's a real question for all of us. What would you build? And here's a follow-up question. How would Jesus answer that question? What would Jesus build? What is Jesus building? Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I'm not telling you today that you are not allowed to build anything but church. I don't believe that. You may build many things in this life, but every single disciple of Jesus should be asking themselves, how can they get involved in the building campaign of Christ? How can, I, how can I be a part? I may, I may not necessarily be a skilled laborer, but you know what? I can carry the cement. Yeah. Yeah, I may not necessarily be good at architecture, but you know what? I can pack some bricks. Yeah. You know what? I'm strong. I can carry a wheelbarrow. Ain't no problem for me. You see what I'm saying? We all work together in order to get in on Jesus' building project, which is his church. I believe with my whole heart, with my whole heart, that the local church is what nothing else is. There's no event like the local church. There's no conference like the local church. There's no club like the local church. There's no ministry school like the local church. There's no college, no university, no prayer room, no ministry movement, nothing. None of these things are able to to match the sustainability and the transformative potential of a true biblical local church. And this is why I've personally chosen to give my life to the local church because I believe that for me, for Lyle, I'm not speaking for you, but for me, this is the most God honoring thing that I can do with my blood, sweat, and tears. I'm going to give my life for Jesus's project. And it doesn't have to match the American style. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm giving my life to say, Jesus, I want to be involved in what you are building. No matter what it looks like, I want to be involved. And, and we need to get more impressed uh, by what Jesus is building. We do. We need to get more impressed by the church. I know it may not necessarily be super popular. I think right now what's popular is what everybody calls a movement. And for those of you guys who are 14 and you're starting an Instagram page that says you're a movement, you're not. You're just a ministry, all right? We just, just call it what it is. Because we've made it so popular, so popular. Nobody wants to do church anymore. Why would we do church? No, I want to do something sexy. But the strongest and most sustainable ministries built in the New Testament were all local churches. My pastor, Dr. Frank, said this. The local church is the only sustainable plan announced by Jesus, taught by the apostles, and witnessed in the book of Acts. If that's what the apostles built, then why wouldn't we build them? Giving yourself to a local church is biblical. Absolutely. We read the book of Acts. Giving yourself to a local church is one of the best ways that you can invest your time, talent, and your treasure. Michael Brodeur also said this. We rightly tithe 10% of our money to God through the local church. Why not tithe 10% of our time to God through the local church? That's too radical, Pastor. That's too, ra- that's too radical. You've been, reading, you've been reading early church history again. Yep because I can I can bet you that they gave more than a tithe of their time. I know it's too radical for most but certainly not too radical for early church Disciples. I think one of the reasons why we don't have a good taste in our mouth regarding the church is because we see all of these scandals and there's documentaries made about it and perhaps we have mishandled God's gift of the local church for far too long. But I believe even though, the ch- even though revival itself may not start in this altar, it may start in a college university, it may start in a Bible study in Starbucks somewhere, it may start elsewhere, it can start anywhere. God can do what He wants, where He wants, with whom He wants but the local church will carry it. That's the truth. The local church carries it. It may not start there, but the local church will carry it. Perhaps we've spent too much time not building what Jesus is building. Perhaps we've not been building according to the blueprint, the Bible. Perhaps we have too many spiritual entrepreneurs disguised as clergymen. Not building up the body, but building platforms, ziggurats. Perhaps we have not held fast to the teachings that have been passed down. Second Thessalonians, so then, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Hold fast to the teachings that we passed on to you, whether by word or mouth or by letter. Thank God that Jesus is a builder. He builds his church no matter the opposition. And you know what? Jesus doesn't just do new builds either. I know we're used to seeing those in East Nashville here, tall and skinnies. New builds. But Jesus doesn't just do new, new builds. Jesus does renovations. Jesus does redecorations, and Jesus does restorations. So you may be thinking today, well, I want to be a builder, but my life is in shambles. I'm just trying to pick up the pieces. Jesus is in the restoration business. He can pick up the pieces, and he can build an amazing, strong, stable, powerful spiritual house in your spirit. That's what he does. That's who he is. Maybe you need a renovation. Maybe you've been holding fast to old stinking thinking for far too long, and it's time for Jesus to clean that up. He can do that. That's what he does. He doesn't just do new builds, but he also does new builds. We had two today in the 9 a.m. get saved this morning in the back. It was awesome. We're going to pray for them when we finish here in just a moment. They came to us from Vanderbilt Hospital. They're from out of town. Uh, I don't know who the chaplain. I don't know who the chaplain is there, um, but they. I think they've been at Vandy now for two weeks. They've got a baby in the NICU needs a heart transplant. We're going to pray for her in a little bit. Um, and they said, "Well, the chaplain just told us to come to church here." So praise God. I'm so grateful for them. I'm so great. I don't know if they're still here or not, but we're going to pray for their baby in a minute as a as a congregation. So let's go back to the Scripture, and here's how we'll close. In 1 uh, Chronicles chapter uh, 17, verse 1 and 2, Now David lived in the house. David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under, the, under a tent. And Nathan said to David, Do all that's in your heart, for God is with you. So uh, I want you to think about a few things here. Number one, uh, we are all David in this Scripture. David was many things, but uh, one thing David was for sure was a warrior. And David was in an experience of peacetime at the moment. Maybe just a few weeks previous, he was up to his knees in mud and blood, and he was thinking back to moments in which he would have died by the sword had it not been for the grace of God and his almighty protection. As we sit today in this cedar house, if you'll think back with me just for a moment, I can guarantee you that you can remember where you were before Jesus protected and saved and rescued you from the muck and the mire and the battle and the atrocities of war that we go through in this life. Maybe not in the natural, but in the spirit. You can think back to whenever you had a needle hanging out of your arm, or you can think back to whenever you were searching for life at the bottom of a bottle, or maybe you can think back to whenever Anger ate you up, and you could not get through an an entire day without making a mess of your relationships because of your mouth. Maybe today you're sitting here in this house of cedar and you're like, Thank God that you pulled me out of that warfare. Thank God you got me out of that battle. I know I should have died. I should have died. I should have died in that battle a long time ago, but here I am in this house of cedar. We're all David. Here we are, comfortable, dressed nice, smelling good. And David said, you know what? God's been so good to me. How good have I been to God? You ever think about that? God's been so good to you. How good have you been to him? Like what? David said, no, 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 I, I, can't, I can't sit in this house. I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm warm. I'm safe. I'm good. I'm saved. I'm comfortable. I can't sit here and, and, and allow the house of God to not be as nice as my house? All right, it's amazing how people will treat the church, but would never, ever, ever allow some of the things that they look over in the church to happen in their own house. David said, No, this can't be. This can't be. See, David had a desire. And that's what I want to say to you, church. We got to have a desire. Right? David was a man after God's own heart. That's what God himself said about David. Acts chapter uh, 13, verse 22, I believe it is, that um, even Luke repeats it in Acts, that this is who David was. You might be thinking, well, okay, great. I have a heart to be a builder. That's awesome. I hear you, pastor, but what can I really give to God? I mean, God has everything. You ever shop for anybody who has everything? I have, a, I have a wealthy friend, and I remember one time he took me to dinner, and uh, I gave the, uh, the waitress uh, the, the, my, my, my credit card, you know, secretly. Because I was trying to communicate to him, hey, man, I like you because I like you, not because, like, you pay for my food. And the check came back, and I signed it, and they looked at me, and they said, never do that again. <laughs> He's like, sorry, it's going to keep happening. Did the bill I paid impress my friend? No, because I could spend a whole paycheck trying to buy a gift for my buddy, and they still wouldn't be impressed by the amount that I spent. And even if they're not a gifts person, here's what I can guarantee. They're a love person. They like love. And even though they may never be impressed by the amount that I paid for dinner, they would be impressed by my heart to sacrifice for them because I love them so even though sure yeah God owns the cattle on a thousand hills you may think well what could my time what could my talent what can my treasure really do well God's not looking for something expensive but he is looking for something valuable and that's this right here first God I'm gonna build you a house I'm gonna give my time I'm going to give my talent. I'm going to give my treasure. I'm going to give my sacrifice. I may not always like everything that I do around the church. I may not always enjoy when it's time for me to give sacrificially, but I do because you've been good to me. And I'm going to be good to you. And I have a desire to bless your house because I'm a builder and I want to build what Jesus is building. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. We're going to pray. The little girl's name is Luna. And so we pray right now in Jesus' name, just open up your lips, begin to pray for this precious two-week-old baby named Luna. She needs a new heart, and her lungs need to be strong enough to receive the heart. So we pray right now for the lungs, and we declare supernatural healing. Lord, we know you're a restorer, a redeemer, and so we ask right now for supernatural healing for Luna's lungs in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask for a heart to be found for her in Jesus' name today. And we ask that she would have the strength to sustain the surgery and receive that new heart in Jesus' name. Bring strength to Luna right now into that whole family. The grandmother was here, the mom was here, the dad was here. And Lord, we say thank you for this family that you have birthed into new life, into the kingdom of God today. They are born again believers today. And we pray over the seed that has been sown and we declare Satan will not steal it. It did not fall on gravelly soil, no, it goes down deep and it will bear forth much fruit in Jesus' name. Come into your kingdom purpose. Luna, live. We speak right now over that baby girl. Live in Jesus' name. Live in Jesus' name. Live in Jesus' name. If you can put Moosey on that plane, you can put a heart in that little girl's body. In Jesus' name. We speak life. We speak life and not death. We rebuke death. We speak life in Jesus' name. And we thank you, God, for rescuing and for healing and for strengthening this baby girl. And we ask that you give us the opportunity to see her with our own eyes. Lord, let us dedicate her here on this stage. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, amen. Amen. Let's bless the Lord together. Tune in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.